Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she once ate 50 jalapeno poppers in two minutes. It's my sister, Marissa. What is a jalapeno, and what is a poppers, and what is a jalapeno poppers? (laughs) Some great Janet in this episode. I thought for a second about what it would mean to eat 50 jalapeno poppers in two minutes, and I physically couldn't wrap my brain or my stomach around it. So it's about one every two seconds, right? Yeah. Wow. That is a, that's a hard no. <laughs> well, he says, he says all yeah, the people at the hospital, the hospital yeah. were very impressed. <laughs> but could you even like, I mean, they're, they're, they're deep fried. So like they'd be hot too. I mean, how would you, you know, you're, it's not just that the jalapeno, like the, the, what's that hot pepper chemical, the capiskin, capiskin? <laughs> Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about, but I don't know how to pronounce it. So it's not it. just that that would burn your stomach lining. Also, it. like heat-wise, your mouth would be burned by the deep-fried cheese. Now, mind you, I've never had a jalapeno popper. Capsaicin. Thank you. I would not do well on Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> Capiskin? That's it. Um, yeah. Alex Trebek is just like, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so many things to wonder how he like why he was sent to the emergency room i just feel like the whole situation was meant for an emergency room (sighs) but that is but one small piece of this week's episode that propels us forward on our guilty knowledge rewatch onward and upward yes indeed this is our i i want to say like we're gonna do housekeeping in a sec this is our 25th podcast episode yes it's our silver podcast which means it's time for me to sing Silver Bells, Silver Bells. Are there any other songs that have silver in them? Isn't that a, it's a Christmas, Christmas song? song? Shh, okay. okay. Are there any other songs that have silver in them? Silver uh, Chair. What's a, what's a Silver Chair song? <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> welcome to Remember the 90s, the rad, rad podcast from your 90s sisters. <laughs> We already did this with Pearl Jam, but I think we should put a silver chair song at the end as the stinger. Okay, I'll, I'll make that happen. So this is our 25th podcast, so thank you all, all 50 of you who are listening to this. It's more when The Good Place is on the air. Yeah. But I, you guys yeah. are our hiatus buddies. You're our elite, you're our elite premium members. You are the elite. So you know how in so Mulan... So there's only 50 of you. Right. So you know how in Mulan... They're the Huns that pop out of the snow like daisies, and they're the ones who survive the avalanche. That group of Huns is called the Elite Huns, and I know that because of watching the credits where they talk about who animated them, and they said the Elite Huns were animated by a certain group. Anyway, you guys are our elite This is weirdly specific Disney trivia. Yes. (laughs) Welcome back to our weirdly specific (laughs) Disney trivia podcast. Yeah, you guys are our elite listeners. Because you... Elite premium. Yes. Because you survived the avalanche of the of the second <laughs> season finale with us and are now popping out of the snow like daisies to listen. And it literally has been snowing, like, for weeks. So thank you for yeah. joining us. My five-year-old keeps being like, 
thought it was supposed to be spring. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. I can't explain this. <laughs> Auntie B thinks so too, man. We gotta... <laughs> but for housekeeping, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Google Play, and you can find us at goodplay.cast.rocks. That's where you can find all of our previous episodes, the 24 previous episodes, and this one as well. If you would like to uh, extend us the courtesy of, of giving us a, a rating and a review on iTunes, that would really help us maybe get more than 50 listeners at some point. And um, you can follow and like us on Facebook uh, at The Good Play, Twitter at The Good Play Pod, and Gmail. You can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. All right. Did I miss anything? Up. No, you are. You got it, man. Excellent. Uh, we're we're 25 episodes in. We're getting more streamlined. I like it. <laughs> there's so, less singing. There's more singing. There's an equal there's amount an of equal singing. There's equal amount of singing. <laughs> we are now getting into the episode recap for season one, episode nine. And the title of this episode is Someone Like Me as a Member. Which is, which is a reference to a Groucho Marx quote, right? I, I wouldn't want to belong to any club that would have someone like me as a member. Yeah. So what a, what a droll personage <laughs> Groucho Marx was. Welcome back to our Groucho Marx podcast. So uh, I don't think I want to go that specific. We can have a Marx Brothers podcast. Let's, okay, let's do it. We have a lot of like once we're done with season one, we got a lot of airtime to kill before season oh, we've three got comes a, We've got on. a schedule. I know, but I'm just saying maybe we could like dabble in some other <laughs> what, topics. In the Marx Brothers. I don't... Whatever strikes our fancy. Shall we dive into the episode recap? Yeah, you realize that once we are done with the season one rewatch, our numbers are going to fall down even more. <laughs> We're going to go from like 50 to like 25 people listening, maybe? So, you know, maybe we can ask people who are sticking with us to, you know, what what do they want? I do want people to vote on which episodes of Cheers we should watch. Yeah, because I don't know the first thing about Cheers. No, I don't either. Except had- for it was the place where we first saw Frasier. Yes. I know way more about Frasier than I do about Cheers. Yeah, we, we are of the correct age to have watched a lot of Frasier in syndication, <laughs> but um, not Cheers. No. I had one person say, oh, the funniest episode ever of Cheers is da-da-da-da-da, and it's considered the seminal episode. I was like, well, is there like a lot of Ted Danson? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't really care about that Ted Danson's character. And I was like, well, that's kind of the whole point. <sighs> so yeah, we're gonna the need point to have of some. Our, yes, yeah, we're gonna need to have uh, some some assistance on choosing episodes for yeah. sure. But that is for another day because we still have a few episodes left of season one to get through. Yep, like this one that I'm about to summarize. Wasn't that a wonderful segue? Yeah, I like it. So we are in Michael's office with. Michael and Trevor and all of the humans, plus some people who we think are humans but are not actually humans, plus the bad place minions. And real, quote, real Eleanor. That's what I meant when I said people who we think are humans but are not actually humans. Okay. We think she's a human. She's not. Yes. So they say, oh, we figured this out. This is the real Eleanor. So real Eleanor is Vicky. That's her actual name. She's yeah, a demon. Yeah, I don't know how you want to handle talking about Eleanor, our Eleanor versus, quote, real Eleanor in this episode. I think I'm going to call her Vicky Eleanor. Okay. Or Eleanor Vicky. No, Vicky Eleanor rolls off the tongue better. Okay. So Trevor and Michael are like, oh, well, they're both named Eleanor Shellstrop, and they both died in the same 10,000th of a second, which I was like, oh, so 
the afterlife has worse time resolution than like the naval observatory (laughs) because the naval observatory is definitely down to like millionth of a second (laughs) just some nerdy i was gonna uh, say only you would know that (laughs) some nerdy uh cpu clock humor for (laughs) y'all So they say, oh, they died actually in the same place, actually in the same accident of uh, Vicky Eleanor trying to save Eleanor from the column of shopping carts, allegedly. Although, when we go back and we see the the flashback of Eleanor's death, we see it from a couple of... We see it when it... We see it when she dreams and remembers it later in this season. And then we see it not happen at the end of season two. And of course, Vicky Eleanor is nowhere to be found because she's an invented person. But yeah, anyway, Trevor sort of insists like, okay, there's two Eleanors. You keep the boring one. We're taking the trash bag back with us. I like that but- he calls her a trash bag. It's just such a <laughs> fun way to be mean. Calling someone a trash bag. Eleanor says, let's negotiate. We can give you a unicorn. And Trevor's like, yeah, I'd skin and eat the unicorn and grind its horn and snort it. I mean, just fabulous, fabulous stuff. Yes. Uh, and they say, okay, we'll negotiate. And they, they leave. And, and it's only Michael and Eleanor are left in Michael's office. And Michael says, you know, I don't know if it's even going to work for you to stay, but don't let Trevor get in your head. And Eleanor says, you know, why are you even helping me? Michael says Chidi made a good argument on her behalf, and she, he says that she, he believes that she belongs in the good place, which almost has a sinister cast to it in retrospect. It's like, yes, you belong with me in the psychological torture space. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and when you talk about belonging and using the word belonging, like in the episode in season two where he's like faking them all out and gives those like really harsh speeches that's another thing that comes up in that where he's like you think you belong here like that kind of thing um Mm -hmm. and it's all a fake out like for their benefit eventually but it's also kind of a scathing indictment of her and so it is interesting to see how the same themes keep popping up over and over again yeah so we get a flashback. So so Eleanor has a lot of flashbacks in this episode, and they are all strongly, one might say overly strongly uh, themed to yeah. Eleanor does not uh, team up with other people, exclamation point, underline bold italic. Yeah. <laughs> so the first flashback is her in high school. I have to, I have to give mad props to um, costume and wardrobe. Yes. Because... <laughs> Kristen Bell looks like she's in high school. I mean, I know she's 30-something, but she looks amazing. I mean, they've done something with the makeup and her hair and her teeth, so she, like, really looks like she's in high school. And the clothes are, like, very... Like, we had clothes like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it, but we (laughs) had clothes like that. She's, um... I think she's born in 82, I think is what she eventually comes out to saying. Yeah. So she's a couple years older than both of us, but... Uh, yeah. Correct era. So basically, in this school flashback, a bunch of people try to make friends with her, and she tells them all to fork off. She is very much a loner. She's managed to transfer into a school with six months left in her senior year, which you kind of wonder how that happened. She emancipated herself at a pretty young age, so it's possible that she kind of went where there was work, which is terrifying and, and sad to think about. Do we know at this point in the series that she's emancipated herself? No, we don't. Yeah, so I think that's also, like, an interesting 
wrinkle later on, you know, to know that she's possibly transferring this late in the game because, yeah, she had to, like, find her own place and stuff. I'm kind of amazed that she didn't just drop out of school. Yeah. But she does go to college. We know that. So I guess she has it in her head that she's got to get through college so that she can make a living or something, which means that she has to. But I would expect her to be the kind of kid who, as soon as she can, leaves school and then gets her GED and then she goes to community college or whatever, because she's just kind of scrabbling for herself. Yeah. So we see Tahani and Michael at Tahani's mansion, and Michael is saying that the bad place crew are the only people in the universe that he's afraid of and and you know tahani can you help me with them and tahani says oh invite them over here and they'll just be so amazed by the splendor of my house that everything will be fine which is pretty incredible (laughs) oh this is actually pretty good psychological torture of tahani in retrospect yeah that is true so Eleanor shows Vicky Eleanor the house and Vicky Eleanor makes a big show of how it's all perfect for her and shows Eleanor and Chidi the stairs that you can activate with a button press. Yeah. So you can like walk up to the loft that has the bed. Chidi asks Vicky Eleanor what her house was like in the bad place, which she never really answers. And I kind of think there's a question of like, are there houses in the bad place? I think the implication, I, the way I took it was the implication there is that she doesn't have a house. She's just like, she's just trapped in torture, right? I mean, yeah, she doesn't yeah, yeah, have yeah. a place. She, she doesn't get to sleep at night. Like that's yeah. how yeah. it works. Yeah. So Vicky Eleanor describes her daily torture routine, which is having to organize a baby shower for a woman. She doesn't know and remember everybody's names. And then overnight there is classic torture, which involves uh, college improv and jazz. And Eleanor... and also, like, you know, lava monsters and stuff, too. Yeah, like, there's like, some was, actually yeah. scary stuff in there, too. Right. I only remember the funny parts. Yeah, me too. So then Vicky Eleanor asks for a glass of water and some food that doesn't turn to spiders in your mouth, which... <laughs> I know. <laughs> so would... Chidi says, let's all four of us go to dinner. Well, I actually think Chidi is just inviting... Vicky, Eleanor, and Eleanor to dinner, but Trevor kind of um, becomes... Weasels his way in, yeah. We, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Invites himself. Yeah. And they're too—they're all too polite to say no. Back at Tahani's mansion, the Bad Place crew, I mean, they, they start off being like, oh, I'm so bored, whatever, and then they're like, oh, let's have a party and trash this place. And Michael is very much being a doormat and Tahani is just kind of aghast at everything. Yeah, I want to talk about Michael's behavior in our discussion section. Okay, put a pin in it. Okay, because I just think in retrospect, I have some some questions. Probably unanswerable, but... Yeah. One of them asks uh, Janet for jalapeno poppers, but she doesn't know what is a jalapeno, what is a popper, what is a jalapeno popper. There's a pretty funny scene where... They say she's almost as stupid as people. And Michael's like, well, no, let's uh, let's not be mean to people. And then one of the bad place guys is like, oh, I'm Michael. And uh, I love stupid humans. And <laughs> Michael's like, well, you got me. That was a pretty good impression. It's pretty hilarious. They go to the Good Plates, which is the restaurant that the, that they had the whole opening cake sinkhole thing in. I guess it's fine now. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine now. It's now accepting mark. reservations. <laughs> yes. Trevor's being super gross and I don't want to talk about it. Don't quote any of his gross lines, Brianna. Okay, I won't. I don't care he's your boyfriend. He's gross. He cuts his toenails at the dinner table. Stop! 
Chidi and Vicky Eleanor are, as Trevor says, vibin' like mofos. Okay, how come you can say it and I that, can't that's say That's not it. gross. That's just accurate. <laughs> when I say gross, I mean like bodily function oh, oh, stuff okay. that I don't want to hear okay. about. That's fine. Yeah. Trevor is making fun of Eleanor for being a terrible person. And Eleanor, I, I mean, this is sort of, this is a real low point, I think, for Eleanor. Where Eleanor's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. well, it's easy when you're born perfect, but my parents were dirtbags who split up when I was eight. And then we get to hear Vicky Eleanor's invented backstory about being left in a fish tank in a train station in Bangladesh and being adopted by people who died when she was four and then being in an orphanage and making her way to America and blah, blah, blah. Like this this absurdly tragic backstory that yeah. we now know is just sort of the flight of Vicky's imagination. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Trevor correctly points out to Eleanor, like, oh, yeah, and what was it that happened to you? The same thing that happened to half of all kids in America? I actually, yeah, I mean, we can talk about that a little bit more in the discussion section, too, but I actually thought for as much of a garbage demon as he is, like, that is one very astute point on his Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Now, yeah, okay, we can talk about it later, but, I mean, Eleanor's situation was worse than most, we can say. Yeah. Now we cut back to Tani's mansion, and good Janet is kind of sadly wandering past where Jason is sitting, and they have a little conversation, and he tells her what jalapeno poppers are, and gives her a hug, and Janet seems uh, baffled enough by this hug that she doesn't blink away, she actually walks away, and we that almost never happens. <laughs> she seems really, like, thrown off by this hug. The Bad Place crew decides to throw a complete rager and and trash the mansion, and Michael's like, oh, okay. Back at the restaurant, Trevor asks if Chidi and Eleanor ever slept together, but Chidi tells Vicky Eleanor, I mean, he looks at Vicky Eleanor and is like, our relationship was strictly student-teacher, and... You see the look on Eleanor's face of like, are you for real right now? Yeah. You know, are you telling this new girl that you and I never slept together as like a reassurance to her? And like, who do you think you are? And so then she's in such high dudgeon, which I actually don't blame her about that. When Chidi offers to show Vicky Eleanor around the neighborhood, Eleanor just is like, go without me. I don't need to see all this stupid stuff that you guys want to go see. And we get another flashback to an old roommate of Eleanor's who wants to go see Spider-Man 2 and Eleanor like won't again she just like won't play nice with other people and won't join their little team. Yeah, and the roommate the, the roommate is like I think I need to find another place to live. And that is only um like m- remarkable to me in any way because that's like a roommate who is trying to be a nice person and is seems like relatively normal even though like we only spend five seconds with her but you know she's she seems to be like a pretty nice normal person and then you know we know very well what happens with the roommates that eleanor does end up with nothing good no so the bad place crew is having this um horrible party where they are snorting the concept of time and doing nixon karaoke as in they are reciting things that horrible thing that things that Nixon said on the Watergate no, I'm sorry on the tapes that he had in his uh, office one of the bad place crew asks Jason if he knows how to tap a keg which seems like a one-off but actually turns out to be important and the whole time Michael's just being a complete pushover 
At the good plates, for some reason, there is a bar where Eleanor and Trevor are doing shots together. Uh, and there's also some beers, I think, involved. And Eleanor says, basically, you know, like, I was bad and now I'm getting better and I'm medium good. And why isn't there a medium place? And Trevor's like, you know, come on, just you'll be happier in the bad place. You you belong with us. And Eleanor says, you know, fine, I'll go with you. Tahani tells Michael that he has to stand up to the Bad Place crew, which he really does not seem prepared to do. Eleanor wakes up inside of her bathtub in her house with the little spigot dripping on her. And she is completely hungover and doesn't understand why. But Chidi tells her that the Bad Place crew requested that the hangover filter be turned off because they enjoy them. Oof. He gives her a glass of water and she seems really miserable. And he says, you know, I'm going to come with you. I'll, we'll walk over together to Tahani's house for these negotiations. And Eleanor's like, no, Eleanor just does her Eleanor thing. It's like, no, you don't have to come out on each of there. And Chidi very firmly says, just because we have a guest in the house doesn't mean that you and I aren't a team. And Eleanor finally accepts somebody <laughs> being yeah. by her side for the first time in her entire life. Slash death. <laughs> and we get another flashback, which is just hammering in the same thing about how she doesn't like to be on teams. <laughs> and the only interesting thing about the flashback is that her boss at a startup is a comedian that I saw, you and I saw. Yes, Max Levestri. He was hilarious. Very, very funny guy. Definitely look up his stand-up. So... Trevor and Michael start negotiations. Trevor says, no, no, no. Eleanor says she's just going to come with me. And also we hooked up and Eleanor is like, we didn't hook up. And Trevor says, who are they going to believe me or a woman? Yeah, it does. So I don't think I want to make this a topic of conversation, but it does open up a chasm that I'm not fully prepared to think about. So specifically, other than this, we get no indication that demons have any interest in being sexual with humans certainly michael never expresses that and there's there's no indication that anyone that michael works with you know that we see in the office ever thinks about any humans that way but trevor clearly does and it just sort of is this great darkness in my understanding of how the bad place works, and I don't mean darkness as in ignorance, I mean darkness as in, oh god, no, oh no, oh no, oh god, no. Where, like, an entire other, and I, this is a family-friendly podcast, so I'm not going to be explicit, but, like, this entire other um, realm of tortures kind of opens up. Nope, just stop right there. But you know what I'm saying? I do. I also am willing to say that Trevor is putting on some he's put he's playing a character i think entirely possible yeah because he's i hope you are correct yeah like i i don't oh god oh uh, yeah i hope i'm correct too (laughs) i'm gonna just gonna say i'm correct yeah it also raises all kinds of questions about you know actual relationships between humans and demons that it seems like michael's like, very platonic love for his humans is unprecedented in the history of the universe. But, like, is it possible there was a romantic love between a demon and a human? And what would have... I know, and what? how could that have occurred? And what would have happened? And what would be the consequence of it? I don't think the 
show is ever going to... I think we are getting into... I am sure there is a good place fan fiction somewhere <laughs> where Eleanor and Trevor do hook up or some demon and some human we haven't met and some alternate version of the good place are like locking eyes across a room with like <laughs> lava monsters in it or something. And you are like, so enamored of the lava monsters. It's just uh, interesting visual. I think... You know, one of the things we said earlier on the podcast is, well, let's save, let's, I'm going to put a pin in that also for, I'm going to write in our notes to uh, misogyny. <laughs> misogyny. Got it. That's okay. just every note I ever take in life <laughs> just says misogyny. Anyway, continue. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Eleanor says, you know, so just to backtrack a little bit, Eleanor says that he and Eleanor had agreed that she would come with them and Eleanor says no I've changed my mind I won't go I used to not want to belong to any group and now I'm a different person because of Cheedy and Trevor says you know if you don't come with me then I have to open this up to Sean and Michael immediately is like oh no not Sean Sean is the judge who is the the arbiter of all things between our two realms I don't want to involve Sean and Trevor's like, I'm going to have to involve Shaw. You know, very much like, I don't make me call your father down here. <laughs> and, uh, but Michael says, like, no, you're not getting anything and get the fork out of my neighborhood. And so they leave. And then there is a very interesting and important stinger on this episode where Tahani is down in Jason's bud hole, having figured out that he is, in fact, not a Buddhist monk. And yeah. that's the end. Because she saw him tap a keg. Oh, yes. Yes. That was a callback to earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the episode. And I think as per the last time we did this podcast and, and talked about the previous episode, there are a lot of things that I think at the time we were very concerned about. And now that we know the truth, it just sort of opens up a lot more questions. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I want to like delve into that again. I I'm just going to just consider my objection raised in a universal sense that I don't think this holds up under retroactive scrutiny. And let's just move on. That's fair. That's fair. But what did you want to talk about with the way that Michael behaves with the Bad Place crew? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, again, this might go into the unanswerable questions of how all, like, how their dynamics work. But, like, I was sort of wondering as I was watching it whether or not he's actually cowed by them in real life or if he's totally putting on a show for Tahani like totally putting on a show to torture Tahani I mean because you know if Michael even if they're co-workers like there are certainly like I've certainly worked with people that I can't stand so like it's possible that or I've worked with people where you know they raise their objections loudly enough and I just go fine fine whatever you want right whatever um and I think that I wondered that about Michael, whether or not, because like, obviously, as you said during the recap, that having Tahani host this crew of people that is so horrible is torture for her and having her house trashed is torture for her and all these kinds of things. But I wonder how much of it was Michael torturing her and how much of it was like he actually is intimidated by this group of people. Demons. I, I don't think... Uh, my my instinct is that this was sort of prearranged and he knew they were going to come in and do this and he's just acting cowed by them because I suspect he has seniority on them and he just, you know, hell seems to be very hierarchical 
very bureaucratic. So I don't know. I, I, I think that he's just sort of like, oh, and then, you know, you guys are going to come in and be like horrible guest house guests and it's going to be great. Like, come on and do it. Yes. Um, this is not this is not a point for discussion, but just something I want to shout out. One of the Bad Place crew members is uh, one of the people who one of the hackers from Mr. Robot. So shouts to that girl because she's getting a lot of good work lately. Um yeah, another discussion point. I mean, if we if I want to just jump back like a hot second to my misogyny note, um, one of the things that we had talked about, I think during season two, was how the writers make it very clear that misogyny is the um, is the realm of demons. Like it's the yeah, it's, and I think. So when I think about the way Trevor treats Eleanor, I don't think about it in a sexual way. Um, and I, so I don't imagine a world in which there are sort of, you know, physical tortures in that respect. Um, I think of it more of like, he's just a misogynist. Like, he's just being a misogynist. Like, all well, of Well, yeah, that's obviously the joke. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, he keeps telling her to smile... And all that kind of stuff. But to me, it's less about actually wanting a sexual relationship with her and more about just getting some modicum of power over her. Yeah. He also tells her to smile a few times. Yeah, he does. He tells her to smile. And, you know, he also is like pries very much into her relationship with Chidi. And he is like constantly sort of undermining her. But he but he then also does have that one moment of being very... Uh, incisive is that the right word with the yeah so yeah you about... want to talk about that a little bit more <laughs> sure I mean she comes to this conclusion also later uh, later in the season I believe when she kind of owns up to the fact that like her parents mistakes you know can't at some point she has to take responsibility for her own actions and not I don't just... remember if it's this season or season two is it this season or I thought it was late in the season when they're coming back from like. Jason wants to stay in the medium place and she okay. and she said I think this is correct that Jason wants to stay in the medium place and she's like I can't I have to go back because I you know can't be a garbage person anymore like I can't be the trash bag that I have always been and I can't blame my parents for this and that kind of thing I think it's when they're on the train coming back to the good place to kind of rescue um, to Honey and Chidi from having to go to the bad place in their stead. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that is... We have a lot of conversations on this show about, like, how much control do all these characters have over their fates or over their choices or whatever given their circumstances. Like, we've talked about that with Eleanor and with Jason uh, and with Tahani a little bit. And so I think this is just... It's it's interesting, though, that that ins- insight comes from a character who otherwise is just... Everything he says is awful. And so you want to be like, oh, that's an awful thing to say to someone. And then you're like, oh, but he, that's the one point on which he actually has a point to make, I think. Everything else is just he's terrible to her. I think at this point in the show, we don't realize how bad Eleanor's parents were. I don't think we've seen them yet, right? Right. So I think you can 
you can watch this episode the first time around or before you've watched later episodes and say like yeah Eleanor come on like divorce is pretty common but we know that her parents were exceptionally awful yeah uh, to the point where she had to emancipate herself from them so on the one hand it was not a garden variety divorce situation yeah on the other hand the ways in which Eleanor was sort of terrible in her life. You know, you she 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 probably did use her parents' awfulness as an excuse for longer than was appropriate and for more things than was appropriate. Yeah. Certainly yeah. when she acted out in high school, I mean, you can absolutely point to her and say like she's still a child and and she's been abandoned by the only people who are supposed to take care of her in this world. By the time she's 30 something and just being a jerk in general, you're like, you know, get, get some therapy. <laughs> right. Yeah. I she think... was not without means. Right. Right. And I think that's, I, I think that's, that's true that, but it's also interesting to me that in that moment, she doesn't say, well, you know, it's easy when you're born perfect, but like, I was on my own at the age of 15, right? Or 16. Right. She doesn't say that. She says, my parents were dirtbags and, you know, they got a divorce. So it's interesting that, like, her choice of what to kind of call out, because I think either one of those things would have worked. And I think saying that she was on her own at the age of 15 or 16, like, may have elicited a little bit more sympathy. I wonder if the writers had decided that yet. Yeah, that makes me wonder that, too. Um, Yeah, I mean, her parents were definitely awful people. But I think... It's also, you know, as as fictional as Vicky Eleanor's story turns out to be, you know, it is sort of a reminder that your circumstances take you so far. And then, you know, there's also sort of like inner character and all these other things that are potentially at play, you know, though it does. she was left in a fish tank. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a really upsetting visual. It is. <laughs> I, I I don't want to get into a whole debate about the existence of free will, but okay. um, it is interesting. So you said inner character, and I think that's a correct way to peg the thing that was dragging Eleanor down was her character in some sense. She had a tendency towards unethical behavior that nobody ever righted because her parents couldn't and nobody else did and she didn't let anybody else also she didn't let she didn't let anybody else close enough to her get close enough to her to like have a she doesn't seem to have had this is another note that i have about the similarities between michael and eleanor but like she doesn't seem to have let anybody else get close enough to her to like kind of talk to her about her own behavior either like, she doesn't have anybody that she has a relationship with. She doesn't have anybody that she confides in. She doesn't have, you know, one person who might help her along the path. She just shuts everybody out. So there's also not an opportunity, really, for anybody to say, you know, hey, maybe you're not doing the right thing here. Like, at least Jason, while he was on Earth, had friends. Yeah. And we see that. We see him have friends. And so we kind of you see his his capacity to embrace another person or being 
literally embrace another person with Janet, right? He's willing to ex- make that, you know, extend that sort of vulnerability and give her a hug and say, you know, I appreciate you because you're the only person here who's ever nice to me. Um, you know, Eleanor it doesn't do that because she just, like, has never, ever, ever let anybody in. So... So she seems to have been born. So she says it's easy when you're born perfect. And sort of the the opposite of that, I guess, is that she believes that she herself has been born imperfect. Then, then it kind of gets me wondering about what the point of the afterlife is. And if we're going to get to a place where the point of the afterlife changes a lot. So you could imagine... So this setup is where... You know, there is an afterlife. Everybody dies. Everybody's soul is collected in some way and gets shuttled to this mystical afterlife where um, there is there is corporeality, but there are no consequences of corporeality. You could imagine an afterlife, given this exact setup, you can imagine an afterlife where the point was to sort of do to Eleanor what Chidi is doing doing or what the whole situation is doing which is sort of to purify her soul where she is being lifted from the base person she was into something purer and more exalted you know sort of a a cleansing of her soul of her personality and you can imagine that happening to everyone you know is that not in in and of itself sort of the best of all possible goals for uh, an afterlife. I mean, it, you know, you have you have a life that lasts anywhere from zero time to maybe 120 years at the most, but then you have literally an eternal afterlife. And so even if you messed up during that brief period when you were alive, what better use for an afterlife than to purify this soul that is uniquely you and maybe that's where this show is going. It, now that Eleanor has sort of been a test case, that that you can make uh, a soul better after it has died, maybe you were going to head towards a model where everybody kind of gets sent through like an ethical training program. Oh my god, and Chidi runs it. I'm into that. <laughs> Although that seems like it'd be like a very big job for Chidi. <laughs> he probably needs some assistance. Yeah. <laughs> But that would be such a, it'd be such a better thing to do with, you know, as far as we know, the only sentient beings in the universe um, who have real lives. So not the demons, not the angels, but, you know, have mortal lives and then they end and now they are immortal. And rather than whatever the, the stagnation of the actual good place must be. Or the torture of the bad place, like trying to refine everybody would be such an interesting project on this macro level. I don't know if it's possible to make everybody into a good person. I I rather doubt it is, but you could try. Yeah, that would be, that actually would be really interesting. I mean, we, we talked about this like at the very beginning when we started the podcast, but like why are all of the episodes like named chapter this and chapter that? And, you know, it's possible that it's like, this is how the afterlife as we know it came to be. And like, this is the book of Eleanor where, like, we learn that souls are, you know, um, changeable. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and this is the book of Cheaty, where we learned this and such about ethics, and this is the book of like Michael, where we had this like um, being who I mean that is the Bible in a weird way, right? Like you had a an angel who fell from grace. This is the opposite. This is a a demon who became purer. I mean that's not really the Bible. It's it's more Paradise Lost. I guess. Well, Lucifer. Yeah, Lucifer's not really in the Bible. Okay, well, it's the... I don't know, I'm not... <laughs> I, I'm not a New Testament scholar. Um, um, but, yeah, it is... It's So it's Paradise Lost, right? Or it's it's some version of... But I think that's widely accepted in Christianity, isn't it? The, um, I, I think it's a story that they tell. Well, that is the whole Bible, yes. <laughs> the stories that no. they tell. <laughs> yeah, no, fair point. <laughs> But I, I don't think that, yeah, I just did a quick Google. The the whole, um, yeah, uh, yeah, the whole thing about, oh, the most beautiful angel, the first, you know, the morning star or whatever, and he had this sin of hubris and better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven, all that. That's all paradise lost. That's not the Bible. Okay. Well, but it has, okay, but, you know, it is definitely part of the cultural conceit of of religion right so this is the opposite of that and it's possible that we're getting a like a new paradise lost right like that's um you know that's uh the golden compass at all yes very true which we have talked about on this podcast as well everybody needs to read that yes um yeah that would be super interesting I'm. I have. I mean. I think the the cool thing about the show is that I have no idea where it's going, no guesses, like no predictions. Because I feel like I have to retire from the prediction business after season two. So it could v- very well be any and all of those things. I have one email. You do. I do. Let me make sure I don't have more than one. I'm getting all these this Twitter spam, which I hate. Yeah, I have one email. It's from Trifton. Hi, Trifton. And uh, he, we mentioned, like, you know, is the churro dog a real thing or did they invent it? We're like, we think they they invented it. <clears throat> Trifton sent me a link to Wikipedia um, to a Sonoran hot dog, which sounds like it's from Doctor Who. The Sonoran I, hot dog. I think it's a place in the Sonoran, Southwest. Sonoran hot dog is a style of hot dog popular in Tucson, Phoenix and elsewhere in Southern Arizona. Blah, blah, blah. A hot dog that is wrapped in bacon, grilled, served on a bolio-style hot dog bun, topped with pinto beans, onions, tomatoes, mayonnaise, mustard, jalapeno salsa. That sounds way more edible than the churro dog. It also sounds like a a lot. Oh, yeah. That would be your one meal for the day. (laughs) We had something like this uh, where we grew up. um, What was it called? Texas Tommy. Yeah. So we're not from Texas. We're from Pennsylvania. But this thing was called the Texas Tommy. It was a hot dog wrapped in bacon and cheese and deep fried, I want to say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. People do terrible things to hot dogs. And so it's not terrible enough on its own. You know what I mean? I mean, I like hot dogs, but you're a vegetarian, so. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I I am glad that a a churro dog doesn't seem to be a thing. 
because it was like tied together. With I didn't Google it. Jerky. I'm going to be clear. I, I didn't Google it. I don't care to I'm Google gonna, it. I'm going to Google it right now. I, I'd like for it to remain in the realm of the fantasy in my head. Oh, yep. Oh, God, it's a thing. No, are you sure it's not a good place fan page? Churro Dog, Arizona Diamondbacks new dessert wins the internet. Oh, no. Maybe it's a dessert hot dog? Is that a thing? Uh, there's dessert pizza that's pretty good. It is me. Okay. <laughs> Churro Dog. Oh, 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 oh. This is much more palatable to me. It is a dessert hot dog where they use the churro as the hot dog element. Oh, that's that's totally fine. That's yeah, different. That's fine to me because that's like a dessert pizza. So it, this looks like from the picture anyway. It's a churro, and an eclair bun is the bun part, and oh, then brother. there's like cream on top of it. So it also seems like a lot, <laughs> but a lot in the sweet sense, not the savory sense. If you're ever feeling like you just want to be horrified, look at the calorie counts for the Cheesecake Factory menu. Yeah, I mean, when is the... Oh, and there's ice cream, too. Mm. There's ice cream on it. Mm-mm-mm. Well, that's enough of that. <laughs> uh, before we wrap up, I think that you and I both want to promote something that we have absolutely no financial Woo! stake in. <laughs> We have no financial stake in. We are not getting any kickbacks. Uh, literally. God, I wish. <laughs> no. The only reason we are telling you, our dear listeners, about this is because we genuinely love this thing from the bottom of our hearts. This is a public service announcement to the world from... To all 50 of you. To the world of 50 people. The world of 50 people from the young girls who spent hours and hours and hours playing this when we were... young and and carefree and have wished for it literally every like 15 years i think like once a year we're like god i wish that was available and now do you want to do the honors (laughs) so you may have heard of the uh monkey island games uh the first two have been available for a very long time well not very long time but they've been available for quite a long time on platforms like steam and the Fourth and, and, and ones after that have always been native to sort of modern operating systems. But the third one, The Curse of Monkey Island. The best one. The best one uh, was was only brief, briefly available. It was all available only on CD-ROM and only for like a Windows 95 computer, basically. And we have for years been begging anyone who would listen which was basically nobody i mean i would <laughs> i would sometimes tweet at random people but it <laughs> didn't seem to go anywhere hello <laughs> monkeys are you there <laughs> the monkeys are listening that's the opening anyway uh the curse of monkey island as of thursday or maybe wednesday is available on platforms like steam and uh gog 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 i guess yeah Gog is the um, DRM-free version of Steam, basically. This is the most lovingly animated, wonderfully rendered, hilariously written point-and-click adventure game. First of all, that LucasArts ever did, but probably that was ever made in the world ever. Everything that has ever come after it has been a pale imitation of it. Oh, it is so good. It is the quirkiest... Like, funniest, 
most like you could lose yourself in this little world for hours and there are so many like random things that you like you can play it over and over and over again because there are so many random things that you notice we every did, time. how many times did we play through that game i mean like a dozen many many <laughs> and it takes hours and hours <laughs> to get through it so that's what i we mean were, like, we were indoor kids yeah, <laughs> just too pale <laughs> nerds sitting at our family's one shared desktop computer right, for hours like, get off the game you're like no <laughs> Papa Pichu. <laughs> and it, it this game has stuck with us and possibly only us for like a no. very long no. And now it is available. The only sentence I know how to say in Spanish is from Curse of Monkey <laughs> yes. Island. And um it's just a fantastic game and you don't need it's to have seven dollars. Yeah, okay. I mean what have you got to lose? You also don't need to have played any of the other games. In order oh to goodness, play this no. one, no, no, no. like I've never we played never the played the first two. No. The first two. Um, you know, there are a couple recurring characters, but like you don't need to like be aware of their origin stories in order to be in on the joke. It's a very simple setup. It's very uh, easy to understand and and get immediately into. And there are all these new fun characters, and it's just the best. And you're welcome earth <laughs> that this is now available <laughs> all of my random tweeting finally paid yes. off um and basically marissa uh sent me an article on like thursday well, first, night my husband found it first yes um, and he's like isn't this this game you've been talking about for as long as i've known you and it's like <gasps> <laughs> and you 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 chatted it to me and I was, we just had like an all, all caps, caps conversation about like, this is the best news in the world. Like air horns. <laughs> and I'm alone in my apartment going like, oh my God, it's here. And like, no one is here. <laughs> no one is with me. Um, just just the mouse who lives in just your apartment, the right? Is like, yay! <laughs> the, the mice are like, ooh, we've been meaning to get into a new multiplayer adventure game. It's not multiplayer, in fairness. That's true. Um, we kind of made it multiplayer because we would, like, you would play and I would watch, or, like, <laughs> vice versa. Um, but, yeah, it's fantastic, and everybody should get it right now. Yeah, go get it. Seriously. And if, and if Kathleen Kennedy and the people at LucasArts want to, like, Lucasfilm, I guess, want to throw a couple bucks our way. I would wear a sandwich board that said Curse of Monkey Island on it, you know, for very little money. <laughs> or, this is a joke from the game, but one ask of the... Ask me about Grim ask Fandango. Ask me about Grim Fandango. <laughs> we just got to that part in our in our playthrough. My husband and I are already ha- playing this through together. We have lost everyone at this point. <laughs> We're just like... In jokes just about buy an the joke. game, and then you can write us emails about the game, and we can read them on the show, and we can continue indulging our obsession. There it's we go, great. Curse of Monkey Island podcast. So until next time, Madre de Dios, es el pollo diablo, and we will see you next time, Big Dongs. We are the youth. We'll take your fascism away. We are the youth. Apologize for another day We are the youth And politicians are so sure 
Never knew.